Stedman history and we've got so much to cover today it might be the longest episode that I've actually ever done because I've written so many notes for this episode and I feel like I'm really going to go off on a load of tangents and I'm going to be getting more and more excited and I'm just going to be talking for I don't know I don't know how long there's going to be there's going to be music there's going to be jokes hopefully some people tell my jokes aren't very funny but that's okay that's all right because we're just going to kind of go with the flow but first of all what have I done this week? What's been happening? What's been occurring? Well, on Thursday, I went to the Rose Theatre Kingston. They reopened their doors since we have gone into tier two of the restrictions. And I went to watch Shit Theatre's Shit Actually, which was incredible. It was hilarious. I've not seen anything that's made me laugh that much in forever, actually. it's I, I saw them last year do their other show, uh, shit theater drink run with expats which i saw at latitude festival and this is very different and they said that they have kind of their art shows and they have their entertainment shows and this was like a, a fusion between the two so this one was uh, it was like a takedown a parody a rip off a cover of love actually talking about how well i suppose how toxic it is with all the, the relationships where the men don't speak to the women and fall in love with them. And it was an amazing bit where they really uh, took apart the bit where Kira Knightley goes to see Andrew Lincoln's character uh, to look for the wedding videotape and discovers that he's just filmed her the whole time. And as it goes on, there's like this more and more it gets more and more sinister there's like a horror film kind of theme that they're playing live on stage and it's like getting more and more kind of weird as she's starting to realize that he's just filmed her and it just completely flips on its head and it was just it was amazing the atmosphere as well was incredible it started with band-aid uh do they know it's christmas playing over and over again which was very similar to what they did last time when uh at shit theater drink run with expats where they had simply read i love the thought of coming on to you even if I know I won't make it just playing over and over again so I I was I, I loved it it was so good um there was a bit where it was supposed to be like two people trying to recreate uh like falling in love they were separate bits of the auditorium and then we did the big airport finale scene that happens in love actually at the very end we got like uh, a biscuit to throw uh, no I think the biscuit no the biscuit sorry was to eat when Hugh Grant appeared on screen and then there was a bit where we had to throw uh, a note from Colin Firth's novel that he writes up in the air a uh, garlic clove for the kids and Alan Rickman's broom head um committee badge as well and it was so good i i absolutely loved it and also this week actually yesterday deaf heavens uh 10 years gone album came out they were supposed to go on tour this year and celebrate 10 years of being an incredible black metal shoegaze or is it shoegazy probably just shoegaze not like fagazi shoegaze uh fusion band and so they were supposed to go on tour this year but obviously due to the pandemic that did not happen so what they did is they went into the studio and recorded a couple of tracks live and it, it's amazing uh the version they had of vertigo from their sunbather album is phenomenal i was walking through felton yesterday on my way to work and i'd just been reading the power of now and i was listening to it and listening to 
the the guitars and the guttural screams of George Clark and it felt like I was floating I was really really loving it and there's also a version of Glint that came from their album from a couple of years ago from Ordinary Corrupt Human Love which was amazing as well and speaking of celebrating being a band for a long time yesterday was 14 years since my band Sloppy Joe played our very first gig in Bristol. Yes, I cannot believe it's been 14 years. It was the 4th of December 2006 that we stepped on stage at the Louisiana just off the docks in Bristol. It was me, Danny Watts, Jordan Shortman, Charlie Shortman and Billy Thayer. Billy on keys, Charlie on bass, Jordan on guitar and Danny on drums. I was dressed as a clown. We invited all our friends. We were between the ages of 17 and 18 and we played our very first gig. I think up until that point, we'd just been practicing uh, in actually behind the bookshelf or the bookcase. I think it was the bookshelf in Jordan Shortman's house. So that's where the where we would practice, like in the garage there. You would go through the kitchen, you would open up the bookshelf and then you would walk through. And that was where our practice room took place. And that was where we wrote some of our very first songs, like What She Knows. Uh, we wrote Fading Away in there, which is one of my favourites. Uh, Fading Away was, at the time I was reading Fight Club and Survivor by Chuck Paula, Paula, Paula Newick. I did this before and I don't know how to say his name. Anyway, by Chuck Paula Newick, Paula Nick. Anyway, so I was really, I was really interested in uh, Fight Club with Tyler Durden and the novel and kind of what that what that was about and Survivor which is about a character and the book goes from the end all the way back through to the beginning so he's on a plane that he's about to crash and he's taken over this plane and it's about like his rise of celebrity and how it's all all gone wrong and I fuse that with kind of being obsessed with the Truman Show as well about life being like a reality TV show which also went with my dad's idea that well, they would always talk about and say when you're in a room on your own are people outside still moving and still living and still existing and how can you prove that once you go out obviously they start moving again and they start just walking and talking and things like that but maybe they're not maybe they're not moving so that kind of went from the from the from that idea and the song fading away came with the lyrics what if i'm the only one here the rest of you are actors and I'm the main attraction, delivering all the viewers their little satisfaction. I must be like a ruler, a god, a martyr for everyone who's always felt alone and stood a step too far from the telephone. I was oblivious for a while. I'd cock my head and give a little smile. I'm Truman, tender surname, Branson. I'm Carl, the narrator, Tyler. Durden, I'm Truman, tender, surname, Branson, I'm Carl, the narrator, Tyler, Durden, there's one rule they make me follow, so I don't figure it out, the first rule I don't mention it, so the word won't get out, the viewers, <laughs> they'll never know, at least that's what my agent says so, but I'm a lie, a travesty, a joke that's not real, I'm Truman, I'm tender, surname, Branson, I'm Carl, the narrator, Tyler Durden. I'm Truman. I'm Tender. Surname Branson. And I'm Carl, the narrator. Tyler 
stood and like a tree in the forest with no voice the wall that stops me from my choice i'm like a tree in the forest ha! with no voice what's my name what's my name i'm truman i'm tender surname branson i'm carl the narrator tyler durden i'm truman i'm tender <coughs> surname branson i'm carl the narrator tyler fucking durden and that was one of our first songs. And I actually realized I was going to do the whole song. I thought I'd probably just play you a little bit of it. But I got into it. You know, I thought, yeah, why not? Why not just give a little bit? I'll probably play a little bit of that song later and probably put a couple of songs in. As promised, here's Fading Away by Sloppy Joe. Enjoy. We'll be back after this. <laughs> But 
But after writing that, we also had the song The Groove that was written by Jordan and Billy and from some of their, uh, I, I mean, extracurricular uh, stoner kind of activities. And we had the song The Groove, which actually turned into a real kind of um, fan favourite. And I use the word fan favourite and our gigs were very, uh, I suppose, socially distanced is what you'd say. I mean, some of the gigs that we played, we did play once with a band called Young Hollywood at the Croft, I think probably about 2007. And it was on the same day as Ashton Court Festival. And so we had this amazing Saturday night headline slot. And but it was up against one of the biggest festivals in Bristol. So, you know, no one came. It was just us playing. And the sound guy was there. The sound guy, Paul, an amazing guy who's going to mic an elk. And yeah, that was uh, that was a, a very fun experience. But after we played our very first gig, we then went to Toy Box Studios in February 2007, where we recorded What She Knows, Carlito's Way, Vacant Shop, the original version of Leading, The Groove and Cut the Chaos. Now, Cut the Chaos is one of the songs that we would always start with. Um, and I think I remember looking at the Observer and seeing uh, a sign about how the traffic would go all the way back through from uh where the mile was at cribs causeway and i came up with the line five miles back and no one can see the destination where they're meant to be a golden haven like a christmas tree where everyone lives in harmony and the song went from there and that was always the song that we would start with we'd all be there shirts off about to play the guitar would hit we're sloppy joe and we cut the chaos i think i played one of the versions a live version that we had that was so fast and so quick uh spoke to danny watts recently about it and we were like how how did we pull that off how did that song it's probably like a three minute song condensed into two minutes full of teenage angst and energy just bam it was just there so we recorded those songs which was which was a really fun experience uh i love being in the studio and just watching all the songs come together and sitting there and watching them kind of layer it and nail it and seeing all the lyrics that I'd written and the lyrics that Danny Watts had helped me with and just seeing Jordan lay down the incredible guitar riffs that he came up with and Bill's amazing keyboard skills. He was called Mr. Keys. And yeah, all of the stuff that he wrote was amazing. And I feel like that really took the, the sound and made it even more epic and took it to another level. Um, I think it was around the time of 2008 where Bill left the band and also at that point Charlie left because we were about 17 and he was 14 at the time so it was and I, I'm not sure if he was enjoying kind of playing the gigs that we were playing as much as we were so he left and then we were joined by Coz Greenhow and Coz was an amazing bass player and was really really into the vision and the drive of the band and at around that point which i think so that puts us into 2008 but before then we'd gone back to the studio and recorded the end of the world credits roll up band of persistent rain let's have a little listen to credits roll up now shall we <laughs> Number. You had the pain, press the number, execute your way 
from me and Danny Watts about when you die your credits roll up in the sky and the words kind of started to come from there let's go back to the podcast so that was just before Bill left and kind of going into more of a, a heavier sort of I was reading really to screaming at the time so it's going into like a screaming kind of phase but also there was a lot of kind of hip-hop sort of elements and there was a bit of rap and stuff like that band of persistent rain was written about my hate for the i suppose the scene at the time there's a lot of like hardcore stuff and a lot of bands were kind of from london which now that i've realized is an actual way or kind of way of speaking but there was a lot where they were kind of linking in um patois into the kind of the hardcore elements and i was a bit like this just doesn't feel uh this feels a bit disingenuous and so Band of Persistent Rain was about that and also about kind of, I suppose, the thing of the time and growing up about being yourself and just kind of not trying to be something else, which I felt like a lot of people were doing at that time. And we played a gig in Bath where that, I think it was at the Green Park Tavern, which I remember being very kind of, um, a lot of, yeah, it was, it was a bit tough because there were lots of bands there that I wasn't really a fan of and I was really passionate at the time about not being into some of those bands and that kind of that emo sort of era but taking it into that hardcore sort of stuff and it's like yeah so that was that was um that was a bit tough but some of the best bands that we played with we used to love playing with start of nothing that was yeah anytime that we played with start of nothing i think we played with them at the junction and at the croft uh they were really pushing like hardcore forward and keep going in that still doing that now and they're all all in separate bands uh tom williams being in back down and yeah just that was that was amazing those were some really good gigs and the junction was such a great venue i mean yeah like there would just be i mean it's 2007 but there were like proper punks that were kind of in there the toilet stank it was like there'd be pints of cider that like the proper stuff that was like really orange and almost like orange juice and sometimes the barmen they'd be like fighting and yeah there were some amazing amazing gigs there and then around that time 2000 late 2007 just before we 
recorded uh, credits roll up. We met TFA. So we met Simon Bright, Matt James Davis, Malbec Moments, and Adam Evans. And uh, Danny Watts was asked to join TFA, which led to us playing with them at the Hatchet, which was one of the first times that I think Danny had been in their band. And yeah, we played at the Hatchet which was great and they were doing some amazing things they're still going uh to this day they um we then went on tour well they toured in florida i went along for the holiday and to go to wrestlemania and it was amazing and then so that kind of formed that friendship and that bond and we then played with them because they used to play the academy quite a lot and there would always be opportunities to play at the academy for local bands well it was the carling academy at the time then became the o2 academy and i'm not sure it doesn't feel like there is that kind of element now or that opportunity pre-pandemic and i don't know what it'll be like how it'll be and how it'll survive going forward but we played with them at the academy which was amazing because it was upstairs and it's where i'd seen bands like bring me the horizon play enter shikari gallows like a real small kind of odd sort of shaped area the state you'd walk up the stairs and then you could stand alongside the stage or you could go towards the back where the bar was and that's often where ramshackles rock and metal night would happen so we played there with tfa a couple of times and we had a headline show which was so it would have been on good friday which was the day after the tesco riots in stokescroft when there was all that uh tesco had decided to push forward and build a Tesco there despite people in the local area not wanting it and wanting to keep Stokescroft independent and free of these big businesses and also because there are so many Tesco Expresses in Bristol there are so many around no one wanted it there they pushed through the planning permission and turned the original Jester's Comedy Club into Tesco Express and the residents there were not happy and smashed it up and burnt it and we played the day after and that was filmed by Ross Harris and Richard Turton Trigg uh, and that's that's still on YouTube. You can actually still watch that whole gig on YouTube. Uh, I don't think I broke any bones in that gig because I have broken my hand from punching the floor at the Louisiana. And one a uh, one gig at the Louisiana actually, we got all the um, audience to come up on stage, and the owner at the back was absolutely livid. He was stood at the back looking forward, trying to get the sound cut and telling us to stop and i think they cut the sound and we carried on playing and all the audience members were up there and we still went and we still went and played again we also played one of the hottest gigs known to man at the louisiana like one july there was no uh there was no air conditioning and it was like a sweat pit so we went on and it was just like the hottest sweatiest atmosphere ever uh and that gig will probably go down in history as just being like what what were we doing? Why did we? Why were we playing that one? So around that time, Cos left the band and we were joined by Kieran Passaway on bass. And so that took us through to the final stages of what Sloppy Joe would be, where we wrote songs such as Hell in a Cell, which was written by Danny Watts about the Mick Foley, Undertaker, King of the Ring, Hell in a Cell match, where you've all seen it, where Mick Foley gets thrown off the cage and falls straight through the announce table 15 feet below and carries on with the match gets chokeslammed through the top uh he's um he could put his tongue through his lip there's a 
tooth hanging out of his nose. There's all these thumbtacks. Undertaker's got a broken ankle. He keeps going with the match because he never wants to let the fans down and he wants to keep going and fighting and building and it's all in the pursuit of entertainment and that's something that we all understood as a band, as Sloppy Joe. It's still a thing that I hold true now and sometimes there may be injuries and sometimes bad things may happen but if people have paid to go and see you and they are there then you have to keep going and you have to keep pushing and pushing that through. So that was what Hell in a Cell was all about and we were kind of, I feel uh, vocally I was kind of moving into more of a Touche Amore, La Dispute sort of era and we played at above the venue that has left my head at the moment but it was upstairs in a very small room just near where the hatchet is and it's really annoying me that I can't remember this I probably should have written some more notes about it but we started to play gigs there uh we played like an all day where we had uh bands like Jahari that uh that joined us and we started to play Youth for Youth as well, which was a festival in Kingswood where bands like The Blackout would play. Uh, one year they had Young Guns, uh, the King Blues played. We headlined the inside stage. And yeah, that was kind of the probably the the height of where we got to having loads of fun. And I moved to London at that point. And I feel like that's when kind of the band sort of um, sort of changed a bit. We weren't able to play as many gigs. Well, I'd moved to London in 2009. And then each summer or around that time, we would play lots of gigs. We managed to fit in a gig at the Boiler Room in Guildford. We played at the Road Trip and Workshop in Dalston. Um, and that was at that point where we recorded, yes, yeah, so we recorded some of our final songs in Danny Watts's living room. And Millie came in and was jumping up as I was screaming, probably wondering what I was doing, screaming out the words to Hell in a Cell. We also recorded History, which was kind of about sort of trying to find yourself with the fire burning in your gut and um delusions of grandeur and that he thinks he's jesus and we're the believers and yeah that was kind of um that was recorded by james travascus uh very nice kind of diy sort of setup um recorded there and yeah it was it was really good those those are some of the yeah some of the best memories writing don't want to be in one one kind of slot one kind of bit and just uh just writing that but yeah and then i think our final gig was at the hatchet in 2013 upstairs i can't really remember much about it but i do remember lying on the bar and sharing a pint with this punk that everyone said was a nazi like a nazi punk and uh we shared a pint i think in a way to kind of dispel this rumor and for me to go fuck you you know if you are i'm playing i'm doing this fuck all your nazi punk shit and all your beliefs you know we're just here to play a punk gig and stop being such a dick never knew if he was or not actually but you know just thinking about that now and but over the years yeah there were lots of broken hands um smash glass my parents stopped coming to the gigs because my dad said if you continue self-mutilating yourself for fashion we're no longer going to come to your gigs and so that spurred into a line that went into stranger than fiction which was i really want to find a copy of that song i think it might be on our band camp because yeah it's just a really kind of speedy quick song there was also provito and autum i'm just remembering now and i think what we need to do is just have a couple of back-to-back -back songs to end this episode 
and just send Sloppy Joe and the Sloppy Joe history into the history books and just know that we had an amazing time. Yeah, it was it was absolutely incredible. I would love to play one final gig when gigs come back and yeah i think just one final time i hope i hope it's full but also i just want to be up there on a tiny little stage shirts off playing punk rock with my friends and even if no one cares no one comes who cares we'll have a good time and we'll play all the songs that the handful of people enjoyed and liked. And I'll say sometimes, kids, you just got to be punk as fuck. Thank you. Here's some Sloppy Joe for you. <laughs> 